So are you happy with the setup? I mean, yeah, I'm comfy. All right. This, so welcome to Butts in the Seeds podcast, episode number 19. All right. I feel like even though it took longer, episodes 11 through 19 went a lot faster than episodes they did, 1 through 10. I remember thinking episode 10, remember we said like, oh, we're going to take a shot every 10 episodes. That's now next episode. Yeah, I know. And it's just a random nitro. Mm-hmm. Although it is a nitro in Panama City. I've been there. Oh, I've been there. Is this the one that I was going to go to the venue and then I couldn't because no one else I was with gave a shit about wrestling? It was also 20 minutes out of the way. And I will also say, next week's Nitro is not the reason you were going to go. No, just... but I was in Panama City, and Nick sent me the um, the location of the, there's like a hotel yeah. that they did the final Nitro in. Yeah. And he said, oh, it's in Panama City, you should go. And I was like, fuck yeah, I want to go, like, that's so cool. But I was with my parents, and my parents, even when I tell them about this podcast, they don't care. So I would say this is our first weekly Nitro, but that's not necessarily true. It's our first uh, of the stretch of we're doing weekly now. When you say we're doing weekly, we are going week by week in the timeline. We're not releasing an episode every week. Correct. So I feel like that can be a little confusing. Fair. Yes, we are going week by week in Nitro. Ironically, we talk so much about Peacock and getting screwed by it, and... It's on Peacock now. It ended up being fine. I think we overprepared for Peacock. Yeah, literally, I was worried. We were expecting to not have any, anything until SummerSlam. Yeah. And so the episodes we did while we were kind of worried about it were WrestleMania 37, which was going to be, you know, newer anyway, so it didn't matter in terms of the network and Peacock. And then we got a file of Barely Legal 97, which... That ended up on the network. Yeah, and shortly thereafter. And the only thereafter. thing that was different for us, basically, was that Enter Sandman was there. Yeah. Yeah, because we got, we got like a file that had the original music. And then we found a file for Uncensored 99, and then that ended up on the network shortly thereafter. And yeah. then by the time we were ready to watch this, it's like, oh, all of Nitro is on the network. Yeah, but you know what's still not on the network? Smackdown past 20... It's like the the 19? most recent three seasons of SmackDown. But all of Raw is there. All of Nitro is there. Where is SmackDown? What what network has the rights to SmackDown that they will not let Peacock have it? It's not a rights thing. It's Peacock just still going through, checking everything. I just feel like Raw and SmackDown should have been the first two things to make it over. Yeah, I saw like the wrestling challenge was up and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I mean, we still haven't checked, but I feel like Tough Enough is probably up. Oh, I don't know. I have not checked Tough Enough. If Tough Enough is up and SmackDown is not, I'm going to be pissed. So in our uh, spare wrestling time, we are watching the Summer of Punk currently. That was something that we decided, or you decided like two nights ago, so. (laughs) It's more more than that. Not really. So we're going through that, and I'm just kind of going through what I've called the Golden Age of Punk, which is... Basically, right before Money in the Bank 2011 to when he leaves, and we're just going to skim watch him. Emily feels the need to note that it is the summer of CM Punk, which is fair. The summer of Punk would probably be mid-90s, right? Somewhere around there? I don't know. The Ramones are not appearing on on Raw. That said, Kiss will eventually appear on Nitro. Just going by journalism rules, you do the abbreviation after you state the full term. And Emily Popquiz, what does CM stand for? 
Chick magnet. You told me this. Yes. Correct. Way to listen. Oh, I listen to you when you talk. You can't relate. What? So before we get too into this, I want to throw a thank you out to OSW Review, namely Jay Hunter, for uh, giving us a little signal boost on a little episode preview of ours and kind of helping get the word out on our podcast. Yeah, that was a very, like, I guess you were talking to him behind the scenes, but it was a very welcome surprise to me this morning when I saw all that interaction. It was yeah. really cool. I subscribed to their Patreon, and one of their tiers, if you spend 20 bucks a month, you kind of get one-on-one help with your podcast. Or, <laughs> I think it's literally like, I'll help you out with your project or fucking help you do your homework or whatever. Oh, you know. Really? <laughs> That's cool. So, I was talking to him, and he's like, yeah, I'm willing to do this, because it sounds like you need help getting the word out, so... I just want to extend a, a huge thank you to Jay. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. That was really cool. I really appreciate that. That was really cool. <laughs> Whatever bar he is, he is a king size bar. Oh my god, he's a hundred grand. <laughs> so let's get into this. It is the March fifteenth, nineteen ninety nine, Monday Nitro, the first Nitro after Uncensored, from Cincinnati, Ohio. Although we don't start there. You sound excited for where we start. The uh, the segment would have been fine, I guess, if it didn't have this stupid fucking filter over it. I thought it was just going to be like right at the beginning and then it went through the whole episode. So we start with footage of David Flair checking into a hotel. Which, why? I don't know. But there's the black and white staticky NWO filter over it. And everything's on like a slight, slight delay because it's supposed to be like... I don't know, almost slow motion, like kind of glitchy. I don't know how to describe oh, it. Oh, I didn't get the delay on mine. Oh, I guess we should note, you watched the Peacock version. I watched the uh, VHS rep. Oh, yeah, we watched separately for this. Usually when we do these, we watch the pay-per-view or the Nitro together, chit-chat about it while we're watching it. This time, we watched it completely separately just because our schedules didn't line up. Yeah. So we haven't talked about this really at all. And I got to hear, I think it was literally only one, but... Some other themes that I'm like, oh. No, whose theme is different? Chris Jericho. Oh. You know whose theme is not different, apparently, is Ernest Miller. Because we talked about that in the last episode of commentary saying he has his James Brown music back. It's like, no, he has his knockoff James Brown music back. I paid so little attention to him. Fair. Let's continue. (laughs) So do the writers. Me noticing the music change in this this episode of Nitro would have implied that I paid attention to his entrance. Fair. We'll get to him a little bit later. So David Flair is checking into the hotel and Mrs. Robinson from what is literally last week, which feels like a lifetime ago to oh, us. Oh, is this the same woman? Yeah. Oh, her name is Denise. Oh, I didn't hear her say her yes, name. Yes, her name is Denise. He calls her Mrs. Robinson once, but in the worst... We'll get to that. Do not... Do not. I, I was just going to make a comment on how the terrible acting of David. Oh, that too. Ugh. He hurts me. That man shows no interest in this attractive woman showing interest in him. And he's like, I'm going to be key. Thanks. And not even like annoyed interest. Like he just could not care less that she is around him. Did yeah. you find that weird? A bit. He did. He just like paid her absolutely no mind. Not like a brush her off kind of thing, but just like. He didn't realize there was another human there. Yeah, and it's not even in a way of like, oh, I'm in a relationship, like, 
you know, I'm not interested in you. It's I'm not interested in the concept of another person exactly. in, in my presence. Exactly. It wasn't like he was brushing her off and like, oh, you're nothing to me. He's just saying you are nothing, period. You are not a human. No one is anything. Money gimmick. Nihilist David Flair. <laughs> so in the arena, we have Tony Schiavone, Mike Tenet, and Larry Zbysko on commentary. They recap on Censored and... All of them just kind of seem fine with Ric Flair blatantly cheating to win the yep. world title. Not one of them is like, I don't know if he should have no. done it like that. They're all like, you know what? Ooh, the NWO did bad stuff, so let's all do bad stuff. I can't remember which one on commentary said it, but somebody said, from everyone in the NWO. Oh, it was Tony. From everyone in the WCW to the NWO. Too bad. Flair's the champion. Deal with it. Yeah, it was Tony. And I'm like. Okay. <laughs> You know, not necessarily meant to be the voice of reason, but I'm like, the fact that Bobby Heenan wasn't there to kind of at least contrast it at I all. Thought, well, hey, now, like something. It just seemed like propaganda almost of like, uh, we won, fuck you. Yeah, it felt like an election. We then go to Nitro Stills of the Cruiserweight title match. I still, I, I understand why they have to do it. I just hate the Stills recaps. I get it why they do it, but I hate that they do. I would rather they just don't do it. Which, now that I'm thinking about it, makes me laugh more about the story we talked about last episode of Bret Hart telling Mikey Whipwreck he was fucked. Hmm. Because it's noted in that story that Bret Hart is at the show and they didn't have any use for him. Well, Mikey Whipwreck wasn't here, so... That's the point I'm I'm suddenly realizing and laughing about, because the story feels need to note that Bret Hart was at the show and they didn't use him. They didn't use Mikey Whipwreck either. He's... Yeah, that's weird. So we go from the Nitro stills to a spring breakout clip, which I'm wondering how long we're going to see this. I'm hoping it's only until spring stampede. Well, because they said they're going to start doing like weekly spring breakout stuff, right? I mean, I assume that only go through the spring. I don't think it's going to be August 8th and they'll be like, this week's spring breakout. But again, you never know. The fact that they go to like the campus things and the Nitro yeah, they're parties. At the, like... They're at the University of Cincinnati. Cincinnati, yeah. Yeah, because there's a UC chant and I'm like, it's probably a lot of UC guys. I don't know how well that works for you. Yeah, so they're doing a campus clash at the University of Cincinnati, which just means some sad C, D list wrestlers are at the university while they... Do Wait, some, why, like... are you, why are you putting plural on that word? The only one I oh, saw right. was There's Lodi. Only one. <laughs> it was fucking loading it. I'm like, oh man, that's that's a little sad for them. It's like, it's University of Cincinnati. You get Lodi. If we it go had, to like UNC, like... we'll give you fucking Goldberg. Right. It just had absolutely nothing to do with wrestling. I thought that this was like a more modern university thing. Like when we were in college, they would have these like student nights where they would bring, like, inflatable, you know, jousting poles or... like these... It did look fairly fun. I mean, yeah, I've been to that event. Our university had that event. It's very fun. But it didn't have anything to do with wrestling. They didn't even have a wrestling ring. Yeah, I did know... I don't know why this is WCW. No, there's no reason. It more matched their um, cinnamon gum sponsorship than WCW. So after the spring breakout, we get some nitro stills of Jerry Flynn versus the Cat and Sonny Ono, which, which is setting up a press conference with the Cat and Sonny Ono. And I put press conference in quotes because there seems to be three quote-unquote reporters and some lights and some cameras, and I don't really know what this was supposed to be. I it's just either. him yelling at and taunting 
fake reporters and they're like, what's your record? He's like, I'm undefeated. It's like, no, you're no, not. No, first no, of you're all, not. second, why was this segment so long? I don't even think it was that long. I think it just felt it like felt, it felt like 25 minutes. It, it probably felt was way like too three long for a the cat segment. It was way too long. Yeah, because the thing I noted was this segment was obviously originally longer because it's cut up and like edited to be shorter. And I'm like, how much footage did you get for this nothing segment that you probably just filmed backstage? Right. But he doesn't say anything of note. I think the main thing he's like, oh, I don't respect grapplers. The, The main thing that I took out of it was that he said he was undefeated. Yeah, and he's not. He's very much not. Because, like, even commentary, when we came back, he was like, he's undefeated? I don't think so. So he threatens the reporters at various points, and he tells this one guy he'll slap the ugly shirt right off of him, <laughs> which I thought it was a fine shirt. It wasn't remarkable. I yeah, I didn't see anything wrong with the shirt. So I guess it's trying to push a character that doesn't have too much legs, but mm-hmm. he doesn't wrestle tonight. However, his pay-per-view opponent, who beat him, is wrestling next. Because it'll be Jerry Flynn versus Meng. Meng is still scary. Jerry Flynn is still hunky. He's hunky. Okay, you didn't mention this previously. No, you did not mention that Jerry Flynn was hunky. He's hunky. And Meng is scary. Meng is is scary. But I have established this. Like, every time I see him, I'm like, man, this guy. Even his, his finisher, that death grip thing, that's fucking scary. Well, I noted that I'm like, first match we're watching as we're watching every Nitro. It's like, yeah, we would have skipped this. Oh, for sure. But I'm a little glad we didn't, because I enjoyed this match a lot more than I thought I would. It was fine. I had nothing wrong with it. It, it was just a very mid-card match. It was nothing special. Oh, this is this is low card. This isn't even mid-card. It was just nothing special. Like, nothing exciting really happened in it to me. Yeah, I think it helped it that the crowd was into it. Oh my god, this crowd was alive. Yeah, this crowd saved elements of this show. Yeah. And also, this match, fairly throughout... Is decently hard hitting. Yeah, I mean, I'll give it that. Listen, for like for an opening match in which they don't seem to count the first hour of Nitro, this match excelled for what it was supposed to be. Fair, I suppose. I don't know. I, I didn't find anything special in it. Commentary also puts over Jerry Flynn and like is surprised when he kicks out of a pile driver. Hmm. And they're like talking about like, oh, I didn't think he could take this kind of punishment. He's not a small guy. Like he's a Jerry Flynn's a big guy. But Meng ends up getting the win after a Tongan neck grip, which is basically okay, yeah. like... the Tongan neck grip. That's yeah. what I find really Basically scary. taking his thumb and like shoving it into your throat yeah. as he like pins you. Like it, it took Jerry Flynn down fast and that grip was like, oh, this is a scary man. Yeah, this match was a lot better than I expected, which means it was pretty good. <laughs> but yeah. I do question the booking here a little bit because... You had Jerry Flynn win on pay-per-view last night, and then you just have him lose on TV tonight, as opposed to, like, building him in any sort of way. This is them going, we know we had you beat the cat, but we're not going to do anything with you. Yeah. Unfortunately, Jerry Flynn's not going anywhere. I mean, I'm not too upset about that. I would like to see what he can do. I think we kind of saw it here. Well, like, see how much he can do. You know, give him a proper run. Post-match, we go to a Nitro party with Ricky Rackman. (sighs) Yeah, this is the same guy that did the Nitro parties what if, a while ago. Like, I can't remember which pay-per-view it was that we were watching these Nitro parties. I think he was doing them on the Nitros 
considering it's a nitro party. No, because it was like when they had the um the rented out room above the arena and the guys were super fucking drunk. It was when Goldberg oh God, was still a winner. Guy? I think it's the same guy. So, yeah. I think it, it was when Goldberg still has his winning streak. It was before the finger no, poke. No, that no, it was the night of the finger poke oh. because they're like, "What do you think about Goldberg getting arrested?" And they're like, "Oh Ooh! yeah, you're like, right." Same guy though. I did not read the same I'm guy. Like ninety nine percent sure. It's I the same did guy. look up Ricky Rackman. I could not have told you his name if you had a like, if my life depended on it. So I looked him up and I could not figure out why this man is on WCW. <laughs> He's a radio personality. He apparently like hosted like an episode or like reunion episode of like Rock of Love on VH1. Oh, and he's, like, friends with, like, Brett Michaels or somebody. And I'm like, I don't understand how you have a career. Okay, well, that actually makes sense. Because he was also plugging the MTV Beach Brawl. A little bit. And if he's a if he's an MTV interview guy, maybe they grabbed him from MTV, too. See, I, you said MTV, too. And I know you... I know As how, well. <laughs> I know you, how you meant it. But remember when they there had MTV, MTV too? channel, you're right. When did that die? You know, I don't know. So, Ricky Rackman... Just, talks and then introduces uh todd something it's a guy who won a contest i meant his last name and i'm like i cannot be asked to go back and find it the fact that i got his first name like that's a win and it's like it's like you're you want a trip to go with the nitro girls to somewhere the guy says like palm beach and i'm like do you mean mean yeah that's what i thought and i'm like i don't think you're going with just the nitro girls to palm beach yeah, I doubt that. Or it's the same thing, and I just don't know my Florida. Um, oh, it's geography. definitely not the same thing. Okay, oh, I no, don't no, know no. my Florida beach geography. Fair. Nothing much to this segment. However, we're gonna go back to this goddamn party like four times. Tell me why. I don't know. Ain't Ain't nothing but a party. <laughs> I just got beat me to it. <laughs> so from there, we get the previously mentioned ad for MTV Beach Brawl. Which is hosted by Jimmy Hart, Kid Rock, yeah. and Raven. And I'm like, that's a uh, weird trio. Oh, wait. Was this the Nitro party that had Raven at it? No. Raven that's shows later. up at the Nitro party. Okay. This is that, that was something else. Yeah. The Whoops. beach the beach brawl is something that will be on that Friday on MTV, which seems to have some sort of battle royal for a trophy. And they were listing who was going to be there, and it was like Billy Kidman, Rey Mysterio, not main eventer, yeah. not main eventer, not main eventer. The guys that they can spare. Chavo Guerrero. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, you, you don't give a shit about this event. But just the shot of Raven not giving a shit, Kid Rock looking like Kid Rock, and Jimmy Hart. And like, I'm like, what, what is this show? What is this hosting team? But I mean, is this around the? I wonder if this is around the time of Rock of Love. So MTV was like no, this is this Kid is, Rock this for is all way his earlier. Okay. Also, Kid Rock, Rock of Love is with Brett Michaels. I thought it was Kid Rock. That Whoa. would make sense to me in my head. Rock of Love, Kid Rock. Okay, I want to pitch an idea to you. Just because we're talking about this random trio of guys, a Mamma Mia remake <gasps> with the three dads being Jimmy Hart, Kid Rock, and Raven, and the mother being Tori Wilson. Sure down <laughs> no the mother being mrs robinson uh no i'd rather we'll get, I think we'll get her fun. a paycheck i like i'm down i would watch that who would the real dad be raven 
What, what ab- about Raven? What about Raven? No, it wouldn't be Raven that way. He can still cut the promo. What about me? <laughs> what about Raven? It would be surprise secret father, um, Eric Bischoff. So we are not going to review Beach Brawl, by the way. Aw, man. Well, I don't even know if I can find it. And I just, I was watching that ad going, this isn't even worth trying to find, is it? Maybe if we end up making a Patreon one day, that could be like, uh, like from the vault sort of episode. Yeah, that, that's it. Our patrons need to find a file for that. Cause... Yeah. If you find it, we'll watch it. Because people talk about how a lot of times, like, WWE, like, DVDs and VHS tapes from this time are hard to find. I can't imagine what one-off WCW Mm. specials are hard to find here. Oh, man. However, I do remember finding a YouTube video of the QVC meets WCW. Really? I did not watch it, but I remember, oh, my God, I found it. (laughs) Marty, I don't know how, but they found (laughs) me. They found me. So... Let's keep moving on. I, I feel like we're spending too much time in between matches, but they spend a fair amount of time yeah. in between these matches. There was one match, and then the second match feels like it's like an hour and a half later. Yeah, because the next match match isn't until the Chris Adams Ray Steiner. Yeah, and before that, we get David Flair in the hotel again. Ugh. With the filter, still. Yes. The filter is continuous throughout. To which I need to ask... How slash why are we seeing this as an audience? I don't know. This got no payoff. Because later on, there's a reason we're seeing it, kinda. <laughs> it's still flimsy of why we're seeing why we're seeing it. But when we get to that, I have a lot of questions. Yes. So David and Mrs. Robinson, as I'm gonna keep calling her because they keep doing the jokes with it, get out of the elevator and Denise, she goes Denise. Denise. David and Denise get out of the elevator. And she goes to, like, I don't know, fake get into a room? Because I don't yeah. think she has a hotel or the thing. And she's like, oh, I need to call the front desk. Can I use your phone? I don't want to go all the way back down. They're like, yeah, just be quick. You you articulated too much. Try again. <laughs> Better. Perfect. <laughs> the mumbling. That man cannot act. He also cannot speak, apparently. I can't understand. Like, thank God, like, I could figure it out. He wasn't, like, live or anything. But he's so mumbly. Like, open your damn mouth. I sound like my mother, but open your mouth. Denise can't get into her room. Hulk up! Hulk up! So she goes into his room to use the phone, and then they cut away. We then get some nitro stills of the Ravens rules match from Uncensored. Then we go back to the nitro party. I literally have to look his name. I know we just talked about it. I'm like... Ricky Rakan. Ricky Rakan. No, Ricky Rackman. Rackman. <laughs> Ricky Rackman. Host guy. Ricky is there, and they're eating pizza, and I just looked at it and I went, I do not trust Cincinnati pizza. Are you kidding me? Yeah, he even like, it's good pizza. I'm like, I, don't, I, do I doubt it. You. I kind of doubt it. So apparently Raven is at the party, just sitting Looking on the miserable. floor. miserable. Just sitting on the floor. Absolutely miserable, this kid. And Ricky wants to uh, interview him. We're like, can you get up? And Raven's like, no. No. Like, this is my thing. Don't ruin it. Don't spoil my thing. So Ricky sits next to him and he's like, so your sister turned on to you. That's, uh, that's something. How's that going to work? And he's like, yeah, I should have known. I lit her hair on fire when I was six. Or, like, that has nothing to do with anything, I Raven. actually did what? enjoy this from Raven. Because Raven, was, he was basically talking about, like, uh, yeah, I fucked with her a lot when we were growing up, so it makes sense that she would eventually, you know... Turn on me. Yeah, exactly. 
yeah, I lit her higher on fire. I, you know, I did this, I did that. Makes sense she would turn on me. And I'm like, okay, the dysfunctional siblings, you sold me on it. He does note that he's a little annoyed, like, I fucking got both of them jobs and then they both turned on me? Like, fuck you. Right. No, I feel that. I feel like I can sympathize with that. And then, so I forget the exact verbiage, but he says he's going to take down Hack and Chastity and compares the beatings to give them to Perry Saturn's bondage balls. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, Oh, okay. I didn't know Perry Saturn had bondage balls. That's interesting. I think he, he's we don't implying on this podcast. Well, I think he's saying that Perry Saturn's pants are so tight that his balls are getting squeezed. Is what I was thinking he was saying. I thought he was talking about like ball gags. I, I, you know, fair. I was thinking about that. Was not thinking about that, but that's possible. I don't know. It was still a weird metaphor. It was. Unfortunately, this whole segment with Raven kind of made me. I'm starting to get disenchanted with Raven's character. <laughs> Started. Like I could, I could find the charm in him. Like when he was doing his Orlando, whatever. Like when we were in when Florida, he, with when Raven's he was family. doing fucking Raven's Day off, exactly. turning to the camera. He still had some charm. He was like kind of fun, but at, like, this promo alone was like, ugh, you're just kind of a wet blanket. You're not fun. Like I don't want to. I don't want to see you. Compared to two shows ago when he was the ECW World Champion, right? Oh, very different guy. And then from this guy to WWE when he came on, I'm like. Yeah, you're nothing. No, this is pretty similar to WWE Raven, I'd say. Yeah, but he's really nothing. Yeah. Fun-wise and, like, TV personality-wise, he's kind of nothing. So, our second match of the night is the previously mentioned Chris Adams versus Rick Steiner, (laughs) which I'm pretty sure is face versus face. Because I literally can't remember anything from Chris Adams other than at Uncensored, he gave his spot up in the Lumberjack match to Arn Anderson. Well, Chris Adams is British, so obviously he's the heel. I guess I didn't remember if he was there or not. I heard the British music, and I'm like, is it William Regal? And he's like, oh, it's not. The music played, he came out, and I'm like, oh, cool, generic guy number 27. But yeah, he gave Couldn't up, tell you who this guy was. But yeah, he gave up his spot to Arn Anderson at Uncensored, so I'm like, okay, I guess you lean face. Mm-mm. I don't know either, but... he's just he He looks like a creative character... He, his name is create a character. Like, he's so unmemorable. So this is where I noticed something about the production. There was a fairly cute girl in the front row of this show, and they kept they cutting cut back to her. I think they lost interest because they found, like, a trio of, like, three women who were really into Scott Steiner. <laughs> but there was one girl they cut to, like, five times. Like, like okay, we They're have to stop cutting to her. she's a plant. Yeah. So Rick Steiner comes out to what I have deemed his Welcome to the Forest theme, because it's not quite Welcome to the Jungle. Welcome to the Rainforest Jungle Cafe. Actually, do we want to call that the Welcome to the Rainforest Cafe theme? Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, just the Rainforest Cafe. It's not the Rainforest Jungle Cafe. I don't know why. I don't know where I got that from. So this is where commentary is talking about the main event from Uncensored, and basically is like... (sighs) Well, I mean, they always cheat, so why don't we just start cheating? It's like, why don't we all just turn heel? Great. Wonder why this Flawless. show has a face problem with everyone, including fucking commentary, being like, let's just be heels. It'll be great. We'll have a fun time. It'll be more interesting. We're all bad. No one to root for. It's fine. So this is a bit of a squash match. Chris Adam gets, gets a little more offense than I think you'd expect. He actually yeah. hits a super kick at one point and Rick Steiner kicks out, which 
I feel like the super kick was fairly protected at the time. I mean, now every Tom, Dick, and Harry will fucking do three in a match, but like Cesaro did one the other day, and I was like, "You don't do super kicks? What the fuck is this?" I didn't hate this match. Like it was, it was good energy, and it wasn't bad. It wasn't amazing, but it was it was like a good energy. Match. Oh yeah, it was fine. It wasn't boring. I'll give that. Chris Adams goes for a flying chop, but Rick Steiner catches him with a belly to belly, and then wins after hitting a Steiner bulldog. Pretty standard enhancement yeah. kind of match for Rick Steiner. Wasn't bad by any stretch. No, Chris Adams a is a capable guy with no personality right now. Yep. No personality, no memorable features, no memorable name. I'm a little sad that Rick Steiner is just doing this because he came back and he literally has not done anything since returning. Yeah, I was thinking about that when this match was going on. Because, like, when did he come back? I want to say right before Sold Out? for Super Bowl? It's been like a, a month or two. About a month, I'd say. But there really hasn't been much storyline, at least, with him. Yeah. Last thing I can remember him doing of note was teaming with Goldberg, where he then turns to the camera and it's like, the dog is loose and Goldberg's holding the leash. And it's like, well, the, so dog, the dog's not loose The then. dog's not loose then, but... <laughs> and uh, that's the last thing I can remember him doing of note. We then get an interesting note for me, just to just kind of see going forward. On commentary, we get Mike today plugging his little segment on the hotline. Yeah. And I'm like, ooh, is Mean Gene's contract up soon? Because his his segment on the hotline, he said you can call in and get recaps of matches that you missed? I guess so. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I manage... That's a cool feature. I manage it's the equivalent of, like, nowadays, like, there's certain sites just kind of recap matches yeah. and give their little opinion. So, it's something, and it is, you know, cheaper than buying the pay-per-view, so if you just kind of want to get the gist of it, I guess that is a pretty good way. For a dollar sixty-nine a minute. I know for a very brief period of time, WWE toyed with doing radio broadcasts of their pay-per-view. Oh. And I, I don't know if that ever got replayed or not, so... I'm, I'm sure if that would work. Depends on who's calling it. True. Unbelievable. Yeah, not Vince McMahon. Yeah. Vince calling it would be absolutely Every time. Useless. One, two, he got him. No, Unfortunately, no, no I he, think did, he did not get him. <laughs> the team that they have for WCW would have been terrible. Yeah, I think it was like Jim Ross and like Gorilla Monsoon. Like it was two play-by-play guys. Okay, maybe that would might that might work. But it was so short-lived, I'm guessing it didn't. I've can never you, listened to one of them. Can you imagine Tony Schiavone, Mike Tanay, and Larry Zbysko trying to do a radio broadcast of a pay-per-view? The amount of times that I stop and I'm like, oh my god, commentary is so annoying. And just listening to that on the radio, can you imagine? We then get the Wolfpack music hitting, and Disco Inferno comes out, and a couple (laughs) steps out, the music just stops. This is is one of my favorite parts of the show, because yeah, the the Wolfpack music plays, and Larry Zabisco, or somebody on commentary is like, oh, who's coming out? And Disco comes out, and Larry goes, oh, it's nobody. Just that, because I don't dislike Disco. I don't either, but I loved that. (laughs) So once the music stopped, Disco goes over to commentary and just has a moan about about Conan's music videos constantly playing on WCW television. Yeah, he's just like, please don't play Conan's music video. It's disrespectful. I'm like, what? To which they didn't. No, and they were like, (laughs) oh, well, we gotta play it. I'm like, he didn't didn't Yeah, the the commentators were like, Oh, you know, it's not for us to say. And then Tony's like, you know, maybe we have some sway. And it's like, pick one. Right. 
And then they didn't the rest of the night. I'm they didn't like, even okay. mention it. Like, even when Conan came out, did no, they he, even say anything about his music video then? Conan mentions that Disco was having a moan about it. Yeah. I missed it in the, you know, the standard Conan promo. Yeah, but Disco just says he's tired of seeing the music videos and it's like, please don't play it. And that's kind of the segment. And then they don't. He got what he wanted. So instead of the music video, we go to hotel camera footage of David Flair and Denise. Yes, thank you. Use her proper name. In the hotel. And then it like, there's like a zoom out thing where it's actually Kevin Nash and Tori Wilson watching them. So I was very confused by this segment. So it's Kevin Nash and Tori Wilson talking. It turns out that they hired Denise. Yes, that was in the last Nitro. Okay, so I guess I forgot about this. That was the here's to you, Mrs. Robinson moment. Okay, but then they had a comment of, like, his dad has the belt. He has what we want. So, like, were they trying to use Mrs. Robinson to get Ric Flair to give up the belt? What does that have to do with anything? I just wasn't following the story. I can't say I blame you. Yeah, because it's like... (laughs) Before he lost the belt, they were planning on, like, okay, we're going to basically transfer David's love to this woman as opposed to Tori. To Tori. Okay. But what does it have to do with Ric Flair having the belt? I don't know. What? Did, why is David Flair in the NWO? Why is David Flair on television? <laughs> anyway. But then it got, I don't have the answer to these questions. But it got really weird on that couch, too, because, like, David Flair... I'm sorry. I'm taking over this, this segment. So David kind of professes his love to Tori to this Mrs. Robinson woman. And I guess this is the first time that Tori's here and that David's in love with her. And it's it's like, it starts out playful of like, you got the, like Kevin Nash be like, oh, you got this kid to fall in love with you. And Tori's like, yeah, well, whatever. I'm pretty, la, la, la. And then it kind of turns into like, I don't know. Like, it got weird because Kevin Nash was very much like, you know, you owe me, right? You work for me. Like it, it turned into a Hades and Megara situation. And Hercules? It was weird. Mrs. Robinson tries to seduce David, and David turns her down. And it's like, what are you like, you know, is somebody else? And it's like, yeah, there's somebody. It's like, are you in love with her? And apparently he is. Yeah. And Tori seeing this, she's like, oh my god, that's like so sweet. Oh my yeah. god. Like, it's like the first time that she's hearing it, or... And then... There's, care. <laughs> and then, so, the framework we're seeing this is Kevin Nash and Tori Wilson looking at a specific hotel camera. All of a sudden, there's, like, a low angle, like, on the bed of her foot in front of the camera. And David Flair has the line, Mrs. Robinson, are you trying to seduce me? <laughs> fuck, fuck off. <laughs> fuck all the way off. Simon and Garfunkel are rolling in their graves, even though I'm pretty sure Simon's not dead. I think Garfunkel's dead. He's going to find a grave and roll in it. Also, she never said her name was Robinson. I think he was trying to make a joke. I think he was trying to, like... No, his... no. Do do not defend was. this. I think, I think he was trying to make a joke. No. He was <laughs> quoting the movie with by using her name. And by he, I mean the fucking writing, like by Kevin Nash. Because Kevin Nash, we should note, I miss this. As they're zooming out, we hear someone going, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> it was Kevin Nash. <laughs> yeah, it was. Oh, it was in the story. But I'm just like, Kevin Nash doing the fucking Mission Impossible I'm theme. I'm pretty sure he was just combining references. I think he 
think he was just making a joke. <laughs> No, yeah, it's Kevin Nash. Fucking serious. It's no, Kevin David. Na- no, it's Kevin Nash booking this segment, going, "Say this, say this line. It'll be fucking funny." They never. His, her name is not actually Mrs. Robinson. I think it is. No, they're just making the joke that she's a seductress. No, no, no. no, no. Per the previous episode, her name, her last name is Robinson because Kevin Nash gets a kick that she is Mrs. Robinson in kayfabe. Her name is Denise sure? Robinson. Yes. In kayfabe, that woman's name is Denise Robinson. I just thought it was like, oh, no. Mrs. Robinson. No. Because Kevin Nash and I was so fucking clever last week on Nitro by going, here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. That's why it was our goddamn outro music. <laughs> you seem so angry. I am. <laughs> I didn't realize you were so passionate. No, I, I am. Because he used that, he did that line and I went, fuck you thinking you're clever. You also delivered it better than he did just now. Are you trying to seduce me, Mrs. Robinson? Even then, that had too much inflection. Which isn't even the fucking line. That also pissed me off. It's, Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. Aren't you? That's the line. That's the actual line. It's not this fucking bullshit from David Flair. We gotta move on. We gotta... uh, Jesus. (laughs) I didn't realize (laughs) this was so intense. Yeah, so Tori Wilson thinks it's sweet that David's in love with her. And then, yeah, there's this weird thing of, like, you owe me from, like, Detroit or fucking... What? I can't remember. But yeah. I very much got Hades and Megara vibes. Do you know what I mean by that? I do know what you mean. I, I, Tori Wilson did make me fucking laugh unintentionally. Because Nash is like, I mean, his dad has the belt. And Tori very fairly is like, I mean, just, like, win it back. How hard is that? Right. <laughs> Fair like, question. Just fucking win it back. It's like, yeah. But I feel like we kind of hit this point, but Tori Wilson and Kevin Nash have bad banter. Bad banter, as they would say in Love Island. No, no chat. No, no chat. No proper chat. Yeah, they, because they're clearly less scripted and... As head booker, Kevin Nash knows where he wants us to go, so it was constantly undermining Tori Wilson's point she's hitting, you know, going off the cuff. Yeah. And again, Tori Wilson, fucking A-plus professional. Oh, like, yeah. I cannot speak highly enough. Like, potential MVP of the podcast so far, Tori <laughs> Wilson, in terms of the shit she's had to deal with. Yeah, she comes in, she has a job to do, and she does her job. She's not faff around with it. Because you're ad-libbing with the guy who runs the show, so you have to do whatever he's saying as he's saying it. But this was a fucking mess. I heard you mention that the next segment is your favorite segment. It's my favorite segment, but it's also the segment that almost made me want to die. I'll let you take us through it. (laughs) So go back to the Nitro Party. And our our favorite boy, Rick whatever-his-face. Ricky Rackman. I'm never going to remember that. Rick. So we go back to the Nitro party. And Ricky is there hanging out with the Nitro girls. And he was with the Nitro girls. And he was like, oh, these girls know how to dance or whatever. You know who else knows no, how no, to no, dance? No, 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 You're missing. Am I? You're missing that he's I'm like. I'm just jumping to the punch. <laughs> you're missing him complaining like, these girls always hang out with me when they're on camera. But when they're off camera, they don't pay attention to me. Oh, I missed that. Why, why don't you pay attention to me? Like, well, you don't know how to dance. Oh, I totally and missed so, all Emily, of that. And so, Emily, who do they bring in to teach Ricky how to dance? <laughs> who else but the king of the, the wiggle, Mr. Norman Smiley himself, to teach us all how to do the big wiggle. 
<laughs> but the thing that pissed me off with this, though, he doesn't do the big wiggle. No, he doesn't. He doesn't do the big wiggle at all. He just does, like, a shimmy. Listen. <laughs> he Rick- shows us a shimmy. Listen, Ricky is lucky <laughs> that Norman's probably didn't have a fucking belt. Oh, my God. <laughs> this segment would have been a lot different. You give Norman a belt, he's going to whip fucking everybody. <laughs> But it was just sad because, like, all Norman Smiley did was, like, a shimmy and a a slight pelvic thrust at some point. The Nitro Girls went crazy for him. Loved it. Like, oh, my God, this is the sexiest thing I've ever seen. And I just, I couldn't do it. I, I saw, when they brought out Norman Smiley, I think I died on the inside. I, I, I was laughing my ass off. <laughs> Thank God you weren't home because I just, like, slumped on the couch. Like, what the fuck am I watching? So after that, we get some more Nitro Sills of the main event of the previous night of Flair Hogan. And during which, Tony Schiavone, when recapping the event, definitely says tire iron. He does not say tire iron. We all know what it actually is. It's a tire iron. And then after this, you know, about an hour into the show, we get the fucking Nitro opening. That means That makes sense, you know. Yeah. That's about the right timing. So what was the show before this? Are we wasting our time reviewing the goddamn unofficial night? There is no pre-show. I mean, are we sure? Is the first hour the pre-show? That's how they treat it, but it's not. Because I will say, after that intro, the show gets better. I mean, I I don't think it can get better than Norman Smiley teaching Ricky Rockman how to dance, but... Touche. You're absolutely right. Because after the opening, we get the Nitro Girls... So did you notice this? I forgot to write this down. But so at the Nitro party, they had a chunk of the Nitro girls. The Nitro girls that were not at the party and were actually performing are the four that can hold their own. They were like really good. (laughs) The four women that were. I can't believe that's a coincidence. It's absolutely not a coincidence. But like I was watching the Nitro girls when they came out. I'm like, oh, my God, this is like impressive dancing. Like they're doing really good stuff. I'm like, I'm into it. So I want to talk about my crush on Spice. <laughs> it, one, it's still there. Two, do you know what she's doing now? Like 2021 now? Yeah. Okay, what? She has a doctorate in chiropractic medicine. Really? You know when girls say they want to fix a boy? She can <laughs> literally fix me, Emily. She can fix me. Oh, and she's small and blonde. Oh, no. She's the perfect woman for you. Spice, if you're listening, tweet him. <laughs> Don't you fucking dare. <laughs> tweet him just to spite Emily. Just- I can fix you. Lay down. <laughs> I'll step on your back. I'll jump a little bit. Paralyze you. I don't feel safe. You shouldn't. So from one gaggle of women to the next, because we get Ric Flair's limo arriving and... First person out is Arn Anderson, followed by four attractive women. <laughs> and while they're walking to the ring, Ric Flair asks one of the women, Can you believe my wife said I can't hang out with women like you? I caught that, yep. <laughs> I couldn't, I didn't fully catch her line, but it was something to the effect of, Doesn't she know you're cock in the walk? Ugh, I hate that phrase. Yeah. You know what it makes me think of? Every time I hear that phrase, cock of the walk, that is a lyric in the musical Cats. So every time I hear that, I think, are you cock of the walk when you're walking alone? Because Jellicles can and Jellicles do. Every time I hear it, that's what I think of. And he wasn't in the limo, but Charles Robinson is suddenly with them. Was like, he not in the limo? 
I don't think so. The referee from last night, yeah. just for clarity. I'm pretty sure he just, like, appears, because I didn't I see him tell. come out. Because it's definitely Arn, four women, then Rick. Nobody else comes out of the limo. Okay. I'll take your word for it. I really thought that he was in the limo. I'm wondering if they're trying to, like, create a little bit of distance. That way it's not as fucking obvious. We then get Mean Gene in the ring, checking in for the first time tonight. We didn't get our Mean Woo by God. We do get our uh, our third shot of that of that cute girl in the front row. Oh, I do have a um, a contender for my MVP. I don't know if he'll end up being my... I don't think he's going to end up being my MVP, but he's a close second. Okay. There is a man in the audience that has a poster that's facing the hard camera. And this poster says... It was first blood, damn it. <laughs> I was like, yes. Yes, it was first blood. Thank you, somebody else, for noticing. You are my man. So Gene starts off the questioning by asking Charles Robinson about his officiating. But Arn Anderson cuts him off. And is like, you should be congratulating Rick, first of all. <laughs> and he just kind of generally ignores the problem. But Gene goes back and is like, Charles, you have to admit that was a quick count. And I'm like, that is not the controversy That was not the problem. One, I mean, it was. It was a first blood! Well, I'm saying, even disregard all of it, Hulk Hogan was still fucking knocked out. It wasn't like he kicked out at three. Hogan was laying on his back for like seven minutes after the goddamn match. So the quick count is not the goddamn controversy. I'm like, is that what they're pretending the controversy is? And they said something along the lines of like, oh, Ric Flair's wounds were superficial. Well, that's them. I'm like, okay, hold on. That's what is them a, covering. So what is a superficial wound? The fuck does that mean? So I think with the superficial wound, he's just saying like, oh, Hogan didn't bust him, you know, didn't like really cut deep. It was just like front of the skin it was it was a bullshit line it was but that doesn't matter it does matter because that's what flair was talking about when he's like don't end it on a little scrape or a nosebleed use your discretion it's heels using heel logic that's i know flair's been a face the entirety of this podcast but that's what you need to remember now is they're using bullshit heel logic no i understand that like rick flair is no longer a face like that's not the issue that i'm having it's just, it was first blood. And I understand that he meant, like, no, like, bullshit scrapes or whatever. But I'm like, still, like, make a comment about it? Like, yeah, the, note it? That's that's their comment is, oh, Rick didn't get busted open. It was just, it was just a little, just a little cut. No, I mean, like, make a comment during the match. Like, maybe, oh. like, the ref get down on his knee, like, point to the blood and Rick be like, oh, it's just nothing. It's just a scratch. That I would have been okay with. If they acknowledged the blood We're, uh, in the first fucking blood match. <laughs> I'm I'm past it. Apparently, you are not. It's it's stupid. It's just the way we're going from here. Whatever. Gene then congratulates Flair, and Rick denies us a mean woo by God, Gene. And I'm like, you are a fucking heel, aren't you? <laughs> How dare you? How dare you stand where the old Rick Flair stood? How dare you stand where he stood? Rick then says, all right, let's just basically all pretend we're starting fresh tonight, okay? And I'm like, okay, Rick, let's go with that. I will say that I did love Arn Anderson in this promo. I thought he cut a very good promo. I thought he spoke very well. Like, I was thoroughly impressed by him. This is the first one of his that I've actually, like, taken note of and stopped. I'm like, wow, you speak very well. 
Rick then, drunk with power, is like, I am the most powerful person in the sport. <laughs> Which prompts Goldberg to come out. And I'm like, okay, I'm interested. Color me intrigued. <laughs> Rick then asks Goldberg, it's like, all right. Which one are you here to congratulate me for? The title or the presidency? It's like, like bold. Fucking pick a hand. Bold of you to assume I'm here to congratulate you, Rick. Goldberg then says that he should be number one contender and asks for a title shot tonight. And out comes Nash. Nash then comes out, showing more fire than I feel like I've literally ever seen him show. Fair. That is fair. And says that he should be number one contender. And kind of like reminds Goldberg at one point, like... He's like, you might have 200 wins, but you got one loss, and that's me. And that's me. me, and you're looking at it, which I did think that that was a pretty good, like, yeah. moment. They they don't acknowledge him losing the streak very often. Nash also notes that Flair robbed Hogan of the title, mm. and then there is very large Goldberg chance as Arn tries to tell Goldberg off, and then Goldberg, like, grabs the mic out of his hands, and is like, no, 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 that's not how this is going. <laughs> Which then props Hogan to come out. And Hogan says he got stabbed in the back and should still be champion. Hogan asks Flair if he got the women on his American Express card. So you're saying they're, like, they're prostitutes? I guess so. Eh, I, don't, I don't think Ric Flair needs prostitutes. I was actually kind of wondering, I'm like, where did you find these women? Because we talked about the Godfather and how his hoes were usually like local strippers. And I'm just like, wonder where they found these women. They were probably just paid extras or something. Maybe. Or models. They, they weren't actresses, I'll put it that way. No, that's why I was thinking models. Hogan pitches a tag team match with him and Nash versus Goldberg and Flair. But Flair's like, ah, uh, no, I'm just going to go celebrate. Yeah, to me, the intrigue of this, like, arc of matches really just kind of diminished. Because it went from being Flair versus Goldberg to... Flair versus Goldberg and Nash and like a triple threat. And then it was the four guys and then it was tag team. But now Flair wanted to leave. So it was just triple threat again for the number one contendership. And now it's double tag teams again. I don't, I don't, at that point I don't really care. I don't want to see tag teams. I, I understand how your brain got to each point. But I think what it really was is Goldberg wanted a one-on-one match. Nash wanted a one-on-one match. Hogan wanted a one-on-one match, and then they pitch a tag team match. There was no triple threat effort in the works there. I could see how it would get there, at least for like a number one contendership sort of thing. Yes, if there was a GM who was not Ric Flair. Right, Flair. But after Flair says he just wants to party, Nash then kind of calls him gutless. So then Flair asks Goldberg, like, okay, you want to be my partner? And then Goldberg just shoves him down and is like, yeah, sure, if it means kicking all your guys' asses. Fair. And then Flair makes it official. It got a little sloppy towards the end, mm. but I thought this was a pretty good segment. And it's... It was. This is a really entertaining, really good segment. And it's all juggling a lot of things in terms of face and heel dynamics. And just as this goes, I am getting more and more worried about Goldberg. Because he's the only one that is very clearly a face. And I'm like, I think it's very easy to take the wind out of his sails a bit and... The fact that they're kind of turning Hogan face, yeah, I feel like it's actually hurting Goldberg because Goldberg needs revenge from January fourth, and so far he has—he really hasn't gotten much. He beat Hall, and he beat Bigelow, yeah, and that's kind of been it. 
that's not really they were revenge. they were setting up Luger for something and then he got hurt. He hasn't really done, done much with Nash, and if they're turning Hogan face, it's like, are you we just gonna drop this element? So we'll kind of see what happens with yeah. him, but I'm just like worried about Goldberg currently. Oh, and once Flair makes the tag match official, Tony Schiavone notes, and Nitro is just starting. We are over over an an hour hour in. in. We're like an hour and a half in at this point. Which I'm like, yeah, is there a weird unofficial pre-show we should know about? Maybe, Maybe we just don't know. We then go backstage and Vincent complains to Horace Hogan about the previous night. So you want to know how much interest I took in this segment? My only note for this is Horace and Vincent fighting about something I don't care about. That's it. They were obviously talking about like who was actually the the leader of the black and white, whatever. The same bullshit that they were fighting about it uncensored, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, apparently last night was entirely pointless because Vincent's still no claiming No shit, to last be- night was entirely pointless? Are you telling me that that whole storyline and that whole match was entirely pointless? That's brand new news to me. Because <laughs> Vincent's claiming to uh, still be running the black and white, which I, I am... <sighs> Of the camp, can we just make a uh, a group decision here? Can we just start calling them the B team as opposed to the black and That's white? That's what I wrote them down as, the NWO B team. You know, I was writing the description for their match at uh, Uncensored. I'm like, it's the B team, I'm not writing the black and white. <laughs> so Vincent says he's running the B team, and Horace says... No, I'm on the B team. Yeah, which makes last night pointless, and that's the segment. And then there's another segment later on, might as well just get it out of the way now, where Steve Ray comes in and is like, no, I'm on the B team. And, like, who the fuck cares? Yeah, Steve Ray says he's running the B team because he won the thing, and he's acting a little bit like a leader, so then Horace mouths off, and Steve Ray punches him, and around this time, Disco Inferno comes in, and Horace is like, I want a match with him. So later on tonight, we'll have Horace Hogan versus Stevie Ray, which, because we watched this separately... You told me, like, hey, there's one match I really wanted to fast forward through. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, they don't announce all the matches. What's the one? And as soon as they announced that, I just came out to you and went, is it this? And you're like, yep. <laughs> it was, it, it, I had the remote in my hand and it was taking everything in me to not fast forward. Hope you want, I hope you all know how much I suffer and struggle for this podcast. I bleed for my work. Well, I'm sure you very much suffered and struggled through our next match which is Rey Mysterio versus <laughs> Billy Kidman for the cruiserweight title oh, thank god for this match thank the lord above for this beautiful match so Rey Mysterio is rocking a Padres jersey which was Tony Gwynn to which I noted who the fuck else would it be in 1999 I know it's a baseball joke but goddamn, there was one Padre for a long time that like a well-hit baseball went right over my head during the match, commentary notes that, oh, the winning streak of Rey Mysterio came to an end. I'm like, Did bro, it was, like, it was like three weeks. That wasn't a winning streak. I mean, I guess by definition it was, but it's like, that really wasn't. Not like, really. You know, Goldberg's famous streak of three weeks. <laughs> yeah, this, this was just like, it started out of me being like, oh, they're putting these two back together. Wow, they really ran out of things for these two to do independently of each other. Because, like, remember couple weeks ago, I don't even know at this point, a lot of weeks ago at this point, that these two were only fighting each other. 
these, this was the only matchup that the cruiserweights had. It was Billy and Ray, and then they like they, went up to who, LWO, and they I, went up I will to give, like. I'll give credit to Juventud Guerrero as well because he was kind of in there. Everyone, it was, while, was yeah. like some combination of the three was kind of a weekly thing. But for a couple Which, weeks now, fucking Hoovy, been... where did he go? Oh, true, I don't know. Fucking Eddie Guerrero got into a car accident. Well, Hoovy yeah. Guerrero's. Oh yeah, the last we saw of Hoovy was just him running out of the parking garage, wasn't it? No, it was the week after where the LWO joined WCW. Oh. And then, I haven't seen the LWO in a minute. Well, they joined WCW, and, that, and that's it. That's them dead. Well, anybody in the LWO. Although, I'm trying to think when the Hoovy and Psychosis stuff happened as well, where I was losing my mind about tags. But yeah, we're back to Rey Mysterio versus Kidman. We've come full circle. I'm not mad about which, it. This was high speed, flippy, spinny. These are my boys. Yeah, Kidman catches Ray midair with a dropkick. Ray hits a springboard molly go round to the outside. And it was like, oh shit. Round the outside. Kidman power slams Ray and goes for a shooting star press, but Ray catches him and hits a top rope Hurricane Rana. Kidman hits his sit out pedigree, which I is kind of just a general new move for him. Is it? He wasn't doing it previous, so mm-hmm. I'm kind of thinking that's okay. something he's just kind of adding to his arsenal, at least as long as he's in WCW, because I imagine he gets to WWE and it's like. Hey, that's a little too close to the pedigree. Maybe don't mm, do that shit anymore. Fair. Ray then hits a pop-up face buster. And then we get a weird move of... Kimmon has the move where he puts his like leg kind of over the other person's neck and goes for like a flip over. Yeah. For some reason. There's literally no reason to do a flip over cool. outside of a counter. So he goes for that move and then Ray kind of catches that into a powerbomb position. And then Kimmon counters that. Into a face buster, but they kind of fuck it up. So Ray like spikes his goddamn head. Into oh the my mat. god! Yeah, that was a rough face buster. Kidman then misses the shooting star press. Ray signals for and hits a springboard Hurricane Rana, but Kidman kicks out. Ray then manages to hit a super top rope bulldog for the win. With that win, wins the cruiserweight title. I imagine she's going to go back and forth between these two guys for a while. Well, I noted that his consolation tour continues. What do you mean? For, oh, oh. For losing his mask. mask off, yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, well, we didn't no, have you right. beat Kevin Nash, but we'll have you uh, beat Billy Kidman for the title, which it just makes me sad for both men. Yeah? Because like, Kidman was having a good run, and he just literally lost the title in a nothing match on... I mean, it was a good match, but like no build, no story kind of match on Nitro as opposed to yeah. having somebody come in and try to like build towards it and try to it's beat WCW, him. It's WCW. They don't do that. And then Ray, we talked about this a little bit, but is Ray's luster kind of lost with not having the mask? Because he just, it just feels off. And I don't know whether it's because we're so used to Ray having the mask and the fact that he gets it back doesn't help. And I'm like, because I thought this match was good, but I didn't love this match. Oh, I loved, I loved the match. I could handle the separation of like masked Ray versus unmasked Ray. The issue that I have with Unmasked Ray and what we were talking about earlier, yeah, Ray has lost a lot of his um, his intrigue, his his mystery. I think he's also lost a bit of confidence, too. He you just think? doesn't look as confident out there. When he comes out, you can really see that, too, like his walk down. He just looks kind of generic. Like, he doesn't really know yeah. who he is or what he wants to be. What are you talking about? He's so much more marketable now that he doesn't have a mask. He looks so generic. He just he's looks like... Off. He's so much more marketable. He looks like every other wrestler in the unmasked wrestler in the lwo it's it's sad to say but he looks un you know 
I still absolutely loved this match, and this is easily the best match of the night for me so far. Yeah, I think I'd agree with you on that. But... Yeah, I just, I feel like I enjoy the other matches a little bit more, and maybe it's because I was more into the story with those matches. Like, this one, it was just, Ray came out first, and then I'm like, who's he gonna face? And then it was like, oh, it's Billy Kidman. Oh, it's for the title. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's this, it's, it's almost like a comfort match. Like, it's always these two, they always put on a good show. It's always, you always know what's going on in this match. You know that the match isn't gonna end until Billy Kidman does his face buster and does the star (laughs) press, like... You know what to expect. It's like rewatching The Office. You know what you're getting. It's weird to compare this match to The Office. I don't know. It's comfort, but it's still good. So moving on, this is where we get that Stevie Ray and Horace segment. And then after that, we get a Mean Gene interview with Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko. Cutting a very generic, very unmemorable face promo. Yeah. And apparently they have a title defense coming up. And then they head to the ring with uh, Nitro stills of their match at the pay-per-view. Yeah. They did not say a single notable thing, which, would you believe it, Dean Malenko and Chris Benoit did not cut a notable promo. No, they're not good talkers. Benoit becomes a passable talker. I don't think Dean ever really got there. Dean's really not there for the talking. He's a very, like, technical guy. He wants to get in, get his job done, and leave. Yeah, like, there are two different types of charisma. Like, there is the in-ring charisma, and then there's the promo charisma, and neither really one has the promo one, because, like... Dean has charisma in matches. It's just a matter of... has a hard time telling the story around the matches. Mm. So the tag title match they have is them versus the team of Hugh Morris and the Barbarian. To which I noted, I thought Meng was the Barbarian's partner. Which prompted me to look up when the last time Hugh Morris and the Barbarian were a tag team. Because this is all still remnants of the Dungeon of Doom, brother. So, do you know when the last time Hugh Morris and the Barbarian teamed together? I couldn't. I want to say at least a couple of years, I'd guess. Well, so yeah, it was right around then. It was before we were watching. Granted, these two were getting a tag team title match. Okay, you hate that you you have much. A I hate the you two hate people randomly thrown together, especially two fucking jobbers thrown together. And you get a tag team title match? This is an issue that we had in the most recent WrestleMania, too, with the women's tag team. You hated that they were throwing the women's tag matches together, or tag teams together. I will give credit to a couple of those teams. They've at least been together a few months. The last time these two teamed together was July 18th, 1998. So, not quite a year, but nearing it. Okay. And also, you know, I can't remember the last time either of these men fucking won on television, so... Why are they getting a tag team title match? Oh, fucking spoilers. They don't get it. <laughs> yeah, but like, Barry Windham and Kurt Hennig are nowhere to be seen on this show. Yeah. So unless they, they the day off. unless they have a rematch at Spring Stampede, like, just have them get the rematch tonight. Just do that match. It'll draw a rating. Think anybody tuned in for fucking Benoit Malenko versus Morris and the Barbarian? I mean, no. To which I think both of us were like, oh, I wonder who's going to fucking win this yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> gee, I wonder. That's my other, like that. That's why it doesn't really bother me so much when they're like, "Oh, you're gonna give them a title title chance." Like they're not gonna win. They talk about it a lot on commentary during this night because they're talking about the general celebrating of the horsemen winning titles and all the partying that happened with them winning. Mm-hmm. Mike Tanay notes something about why because he partied like it was 1999 last night, and Bobby Heenan just quips, "It was." I was like, is it not? He's like, it is. I'm like, fair. Dean gets tossed to the outside, and Jimmy Hart, who is managing Hugh Morris and the Barbarian, 
has some stiff fucking kicks for Dean on the outside. I was like, oh, okay. Felt a little too rough for a, like a manager kick. I guess I just didn't realize that was Jimmy Hart. Yeah, he'll be running uh, beach. He'll be running beach blast. Beach brawl. Blast be- on the beach blast. Fast? Beach brawl. That's what it beach was. Brawl beach blast. brawl. Not bash to the beach. We'll get there. Bash to the beach blast. So this is a pretty standard tag match. The heels work over Dean. And they're working him over. And I'm just like, man, the tag team champions should really be beating these two a lot easier. Yeah. I don't know. This this was a fine match. It just didn't hold my interest very well. It went too long. For it what, went long, like yeah. You have the tag team champions facing two fucking jabronis. And they take what feels like a while to beat them. I did like when there was, there was a point where Hugh Morris was very obviously calling shots to Dean Malenko. Like, had him in like a little headlock and was just very blatantly whispering in his ear he used to have long hair i wonder if he's getting used to not having it (laughs) i wonder hugh morris holds dean malenko up for the barbarian to kick but suddenly it's the one thing they didn't want to happen oh no as dean ducks and barbarian kicks morris benoit hits the diving headbutt for the win this was a tag team match it was fine it 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 wasn't it wasn't bad it wasn't bad it just didn't hold my interest it was kind of nothing i don't think i would call it boring i think we just called it very it's very neutral to me this is a match where I could have gotten up and gotten a snack or gone to pee and would have been fine. That said, uh, Dean Malenko had me very worried after the match. Because Benoit turns and says something to the camera. And I missed what it was. But Dean Malenko turns and basically like calls out Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. And I'm like, oh no, are you two going to feud with those two? Because you feuding with the booker of the show and you have a title... And I'm like, oh, uh, no. Yeah, maybe that wouldn't go out. Yeah, I didn't think I'd have that. I heard him say it. They went, please don't feud with him or them. Like It'd said, be like, at least it would be an interesting feud. So after this match, we get the Nitro Girls, to which we are, I don't know if we're ever going to do a review of the Nitro Girls segment. I think we're going to say Nitro Girls are here. They're always, like, again, this episode, they're impressive. Like, they're doing good dances. And then we get Scott Steiner and Buff Bagwell coming out. No tops on them. Just these two are always accompanied by a big sigh by both of us, I think. Yeah. Scott Steiner comes out and heals on the crowd immediately and often. Steiner says that the Wolfpack are the best athletes in the world and then blames Buff for him losing the title the previous night at Uncensored. Steiner says that Buff trained his body but didn't train his brain. Maybe Buff doesn't belong. At which point I was like, oh God, is Buff Bagwell turning face? Yeah, you came out to me and you were so happy. You were like, good, Buff is out. Buff says that Scott is jealous. Scott says that Buff is in second place. Buff says that while Scott is Big Papa Pump, he's not Buff and he's not the stuff. Okay. Got him. Yeah, no. Steiner notes that if they kick Buff out of the NWO, he'll be nothing again like he was before. This is another moment where I noticed how alive the audience was. Like, everything these two guys said was a massive pop. Which was, like, it's weird. Because, like, we know that the company is starting to die at this point. Like, we know that sales are low. But you would they're never know They're getting lower. The I wouldn't say they're so low. Sure. But you would never know that from the audience. Especially not this audience. Buff keeps saying that things are getting out of hand. And then offers Steiner a handshake. Scott accepts and then hits a belly-to-belly on Buff and then attacks him with a chair before putting him in the Steiner recliner. Steiner then grabs a mic and says that Buff and all of his fans suck. 
Wow, got him. And leaves, and Buff is now out of the NWO. Ooh, you're thrilled. I am. See, I'm torn. I'm happy that he will not be a weekly fucking fixture of the NWO. However, I don't want Buff Bagwell, the babyface, fighting the NWO. True, because then you'll have to root for him. I'm not going to root for him. Would you root for the NWO over him? Yes. Oh, no. When the eventual Scott Steiner Buff Bagwell match comes, I'm rooting for Scott Steiner. Okay, that's fair. And then when he beats him, I'm like, sir, I will see you at Shoney's. <laughs> Is Shoney's the new Yeti? Maybe. Yeah, we haven't mentioned the Yeti in a while. We haven't had a reason. Okay, like that stopped you. So from one NWO fallout to another, we next get Horace Hogan versus Stevie Ray. For leadership? Is that on the line? I don't know. I could not give less of a shit about this match. Horace attacks Stevie Ray before the bell from behind, and then they immediately brawl the outside, and not much happens until Vincent comes down with a chair, and then it's the one thing Vincent didn't want to happen, as after Horace hits the smell and drop, he goes to toss Stevie Ray into the chair, but Stevie Ray reverses it, and then throws Horace into the chair and then rolls him up and uses the tights to pin him, even though Horace seems kind of knocked out, so you didn't need to cheat yada, 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 or roll whatever. him out. He, yeah. Stevie Ray wins. Surprise. So the only question that I had during this match, how the hell do you resolve this storyline? How do you end this? You, you have Kevin Nash come out. And powerbomb every member of the fucking B team. But then does and that tell them they're all out? Does that kill the NWO black and white? Yes. Like, they, imagine, all, they all hate each other. I imagine the black and white being the more like known and marketable version of the NWO. Like when you see somebody with an NWO t shirt, they're wearing black and white. They're not wearing red and black. That's because of the original NWO kind of thing. Okay. I, I, I do find it interesting that somehow. The original colors became the B team. Right. As opposed to the Wolf Pack. No, I agree. I'm wondering if that's Kevin just, Nash's work, considering what group was he a part of? That I just that's the only question I've had is just like this is such a shit storyline. There's no way to finish this satisfactorily. Well, at some point, the NWO will just kind of fizzle out, and then at some point, we'll come back. So, we got we got that to look forward to. Look forward? You're not excited for Jeff Jarrett in the NWO? You know, not particularly. You're not excited for the Chosen One? Really not. I didn't know Harry Potter was in the WCW. Oh, God, how many fucking Jeff Jarrett Harry Potter jokes are we going to have? So, next up, we get Conan versus Disco Inferno. <laughs> And I think Conan had a new theme. I could not tell. I didn't listen closely enough. I'm sorry. Granted, I was listening. Couldn't tell you what his old theme was. Granted, I was listening to the uh, VHS rip, so maybe it was different there. Conan comes out with his regular Spanglish promo and then calls them NWO NyQuil. In the in the VHS rip, did his mic just stop working? When? During his promo? I don't think so. Okay. Because, like, most of Conan's promo, I didn't hear because his mic just cut. It just muted or something, and, like, no one said anything. No one stopped him. He, You could see him still talking, but <laughs> Wait, it just completely like cut out. It's like that on Peacock. That's it's on Peacock, weird. yeah. 
That's weird. So I thought when you, I don't know, I didn't hear NWO NyQuil. That's so weird. I just heard, I like. No, he did a bunch of lines about like, you know, drowsy, sleepy, yada, yada, didn't yada. Hear any of that. Why did they cut that? I don't know. I mean, drug abuse? I don't think so. No, it, it it sounded like an audio malfunction, so I just kind of wrote it off. And I was like, I wrote this down as one of my favorite bits because he was just talking. I couldn't hear him. It's great. There was no mention of tossed salads or peeled potatoes here. Darn, what a shame. But this is another match that I just couldn't care less about. Yeah, so he calls out Disco Inferno and Disco comes out. He still has Disco Fever. It still slaps, it really even does. though it does have the NWO sound effects. So it he does have a... I, I guess it's new. I don't know. I don't recognize it. When he comes out, his face in the disco ball, like they put that video overlay on it. He's had that once or twice. It's an older thing, but they did stop doing it with I him. I do like it. I think one of the first pay-per-views, it might have been Halloween Havoc, where he had disco fever and it was pre-him joining NWO and he had that. I just... It's, it has been a while. I like it. I'm into it. I'm not into is this match. I thought this match was fine. We get a interesting cradle DDT from Conan and Disco goes to leave a little bit into the match and Conan catches him and they brawl in the aisle for a bit. While they're brawling, they go to commercial and when they come back, Lex Luger and Miss Elizabeth come down. Because of course they do. And why? Did you know commentary talking about Luger? Yeah, how he has the wrong arm wrapped up. What the fuck is that? I don't know. Granted, his arm does play into the stipulation, but I don't He's know what he. Well, I don't know what he gained from wrapping the wrong arm. So the finish of this match is Conan hits a face buster and then a ten punch spot, and while he's doing that, Liz kind of distracts the ref. Which why would you distract the ref when Conan's doing a ten punch spot and you can just keep punching Disco? But it also distracts Conan enough. And then Disco tosses Conan into the corner where Lex forearms him. Yeah. Which knocks out Conan. With the not wrapped arm. No, it was the wrapped arm. Was it the wrapped oh. So Did he have like a steel bar in there or something? It's funny you say that. I don't remember which arm it was. So Luger's injured arm is apparently the left one. He had his right arm wrapped. Yeah. In WWE, he had surgery at some point and had a steel plate put in his arm. And in WWE logic, that doesn't make your arm weaker. It makes your fucking arm a goddamn weapon. <laughs> yeah. That's how that works. That sounds right. So, I think that's what they were playing on. But I don't get why he felt the need to wrap the wrong arm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm just confused. And commentary bringing so much attention to it just made it more confusing. Because he didn't make a note of it like it could have just been an honest mistake and he just wrapped the wrong arm accidentally i think and it was meant to was be like suspicious because considering he he knocks him out with it but i'm like what the fuck is the point right i don't know yeah i, I don't know either but disco wins uh we had, we had not seen conan for a while before this either and yeah. i'm just like okay um I don't know what the point of this or what any of the point of any of this is, but I don't know what the point of the Nitro Girls being up next is either, but they're next. So I noted at this point when the Nitro Girls came out, we had just under a half an hour left. So me being dumb was like, oh, it's main event time. 
because it's a tag team match, you'll need about a half an hour with everyone's introductions, like the walk-ins and the, the finishes. So I was like, oh, must be main event time. No, it's Nitro Girls. And then Booker T and Jericho with the longest intro that I've ever seen. Yeah. When you have that little time left in the show and you have a tag team match as your as your main event, like, yeah, it was long. Granted, we're also watching to the end of wherever the file ends. We don't necessarily have the best perception of what time in the night it is because Nitro does have the overrun. So I mean, I don't... fair, but who's your timekeeper? Cut a match, my guy. They're kind of nitro. Cut the nitro. Cut the girl. nitro girls. I don't know if that would have been enough time to save it, but like, yeah. Who's your timekeeper? Fire him. So as mentioned, we have Chris Jericho versus Booker T for the TV title, and I got to hear Chris Jericho's even flow theme because when you were watching, it was the "Break the Walls Down" yeah, yeah. song. I got to hear his actual WCW theme because it's a original VHS rep. Oh, cool! And after listening to it. Like, once, I'm like, oh, I see why this got dubbed. It's, really? It's so blatantly knocking it off that uh, I'm like, yeah, I get that. So, Emily, I think we need to pour one out. Ralphus is gone. Ralphus was not with Chris Jericho. And he was not mentioned. Chris Jericho, I don't think, makes it to the next pay-per-view. <laughs> my boy. My floofy boy. He wasn't even floofy. No, he wasn't. He was, he ro- had this he was rocking his beard. like 2003 look yeah, here. Like it was it. like, oh. He that's... has the the goatee beard without the mustache. And it's just not a cute look. I don't like that. So in terms of match quality, this is a good, very standard match. Yeah, I mean, Booker T and Jericho don't put on bad matches. Like, they, they're still fun to watch. Yeah, like I was trying to find any sort of unique spots to be like, oh, let's talk about that. And it's like, yeah, it's, you know, it's. Pretty standard. Yeah. The only note that I had was Jericho has better highlights than I do. He's more blonde. He has. He, he went to a good hairstylist. His stylist actually made cuts. Yeah. So I was listening. I got a bad haircut this last week. No, you didn't. You did not get a bad haircut. Cut implies cut. I went to a hair salon for the first time since the pandemic started. The man didn't even take a pair of scissors to my hair. Not happy about it. And I got really lackluster highlights. So uh, yeah. Jericho's hair looks better than mine, and I'm not I'm not bitter about it. It's fine. So Jericho also has his, like, stomach wrapped a bit, which I just kind of kept forgetting about, but it also plays into some spots. Yeah, what happened to his ribs? Something from the pay-per-view. There was no real spot with his ribs the pay-per-view, so I don't really know why that's there. Yeah. But he hits a lion's salt and can't make the pin because of his injured ribs. Oh, is that why? I guess I, guess I missed that. Because like, I didn't realize why he was wrapped up. So I just wasn't really following Well, by whole... ribs, it was like his like lower his, tummy. Yeah. It's like, that's, it's like the that's bit that sticks out ribs. over his pants. It's like your abdomen, I guess. I think abdomen's even higher than that. I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah, it, it was vague. So Jericho can't make the pin immediately, so Booker kicks out. Booker hits a flapjack, a spin-a-rooney, and then a scissor kick. Which, spin-a-rooney's still not named. Yeah, they still haven't given that the proper name. They've got the big wiggle, but they don't have the spinner Rooney? No. Rude. He then sets up for the missile drop kick, but Jericho pulls the ref in the way and Booker kicks him. And then they kind of fight for a bit and then the ref gets up and it's like, oh, I'm going to DQ Jericho. So Yeah, so after all that, it all ends in a DQ. Yeah, Booker G wins by DQ and it's just a real lame ending of... Yeah. 
he hit him and then it's like oh now that i'm up jericho loses and there wasn't really any drama in terms of jericho losing because he's like already like walking away like, it would have been different if there had been like a belt shot and jericho had him down for the pin and it's like no you're dq'd right this was just uh, okay i guess dq sure yeah it just seemed like a lackluster ending to a pretty standard match i guess yeah like i was enjoying it and then i'm like oh okay. yeah it wasn't a bad match by any stretch of the imagination it was just you know what you expect from jericho and booker t it's good it's just not gonna be match of the night you know yeah i imagine these two will fight once or twice again yeah we have a little bit of time before jericho leaves so i assume he'll do something with booker because i suddenly booker's being set up against anybody else so which they know ne- did they ever really finish the booker t stevie ray storyline did they ever really start that story? They, yeah, that's probably a better question. <laughs> like, they kind of planted the seeds, but... uh you but need, nothing ever grew. Well, you need to give water to it. They kind of just put seeds in the ground and went, well, that's done. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's fair, because it's like, that would have been a good storyline. It just never happened. So let's move on to our main event. But there was no Michael Buffer. I was going to say, did you note that? No Michael Buffer? Yeah, well, did you note that you couldn't hear the ring announcer because it's like, oh, it's not Buffer? Okay, we don't don't need to fucking pipe him into the the, uh, television audience. Yes. (laughs) It is Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash versus Ric Flair and Goldberg. Speaking of Hulk Hogan, I literally never know whether to refer to him as Hollywood Hogan, Hulk Hogan, or Hollywood Hulk Hogan. I think it's... I think it's Hollywood Hogan. I I wanted to say that it was Hollywood Hulk Hogan, but I think you're right. I think it's just Hollywood Hogan. You know who it is. It's Hogan. So Goldberg comes out last of all of them, and he is bleeding from his forehead slash top of his head. Yeah, so I think that when he came out with the sparklers and everything... It was he, before like, that. Oh, was it? Because I thought that he like hit his head. You know, no, like, it was to before that. And, and cut himself or, commentary like, notes up. that like, oh, there's a dented locker somewhere. And I'm like... Oh, is that what they were talking about? I'm like, you did that off camera? You fucking cut yourself open? This the same? No, it's the same cut that he's had since... Is it? Yeah. It's just been scabbing over and he keeps reopening it. Okay. I thought it was a similar place because... That's why I thought like he, hiding up, hit himself again. The one he opened was from like a botched like stair shot kind of thing. It wasn't the locker It's the same spot though. though. I think they just... I don't think the locker thing was real. I think they're just covering. But it's the same spot on his head every week. So before he even got down the ramp, the man was bleeding. So Flair and Goldberg argue about who's going to start the match. I really do love Ric Flair's robe here, too. The red and gold. Yeah, it was the same one from Uncensored. I love that robe. I want that robe. Flair wants Goldberg to start the match. Goldberg wants Flair to start the match. So Goldberg press slams Flair (laughs) in the center of the ring. And it's like, all right, you're starting. Fuck you. I'm stronger. So, Flair gets worked over for a little bit. He does his turnbuckle spot onto the apron, and then Nash just big boots him off the apron. (laughs) Which I thought was a cute little spot. Yeah, it was good. I did like that. So, Flair then desperation tags Goldberg, and Goldberg faces off with Hogan, which doesn't feel like a big deal. So, when that was going on, have we had a Goldberg-Hogan match? Not on the podcast. In... The grand scheme of WCW, yes, Goldberg won his first WCW title off of Hogan, mm. but they were clearly setting up for Goldberg versus Hogan with the finger poke. That just never came to fruition. And we'll see if it ever does. But I wonder if after the finger poke, Goldberg was just kind of pissed at everyone and was like, no, I'm not doing your match, fuck you. 
See, that, that's just bad business. But at that like point. the way that they did it, though, I feel like he can kind of be like, "Yeah, I'm not doing that." I I disagree. I I just I mean I, I think it's more Flair wants to be a heel, so someone needs to be a face, and now it looks like Hogan's going face, and so the just Goldberg story for face Hogan. No, it's gonna Absolutely be a weird one. Not. But it just them facing off doesn't feel like a big deal, and I'm like, oh, that's unfortunate because you're right it should yeah and hogan wrestles a bit like a face during this match at points because him and goldberg both do the i knock you down and i pop right back up spot right. like oh we're both a big strong man big deal kind of even thing. though in reality goldberg could snap hogan i mean yeah like they're portraying the two of them as equals if you like look not. at the physically they are not equals. <laughs> you are you are saying they are not equal they're not not that they are not portraying them because that's the way this match is kind of no, you know, right. presented. Is like these two are on the same page, and Hogan keeps tagging out to Nash, who then keeps tagging almost immediately back to Hogan. Didn't Nash do this in a recent he, tag match? Y- yes, he, yeah, he, he did it with Scott Hall. Yeah, because he's and, like, no, I'm not wrestling you. Go. And I noted, I'm like, it just says a lot that it feels like comparatively Hulk Hogan has a like complete move set compared to Kevin Nash. Seriously. He does not have the hair flip, though, so he has that going for him. You're right. If if I give Kevin Nash anything, it's that he has nice hair. Yeah. I will give him that. It was up in the pony today. I, I'll take... I, I, his hair is not bad. Him as a person, bad. Hair, fine. So commentary notes that Goldberg is not even remotely trying to tag Ric Flair into this match. To which I would agree. He is not. He is like... He wants his hands on basically everyone in this match. So it's like, I mean, no, I'm really not tagging out. Him. That sounds like a very Goldberg thing to do. I don't really blame them. So with the ref a little distracted. By the way, the ref is Charles Robinson, the ref from yes. the previous night. Flair like makes a tag sound behind the ref's back and comes into the ring. And the ref's like, oh, that's a tag. And then Goldberg like goes after Flair. And I was like, no, 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 no. Get in your fucking corner. <laughs> yeah, I, did, I think I missed Flair doing like the tag sound. Try to trick him. I missed that. Once Flair is in, Nash and Goldberg kind of brawl to the outside as Hogan hits the leg drop on Flair, but the ref refuses to count Flair down. Ooh, Charles Robinson is corrupt. So Hogan just punches him after a lot of, oh, should I punch him? Yeah, should I punch him? Yeah. yeah Obviously him. you're going to punch him. So he punches the ref and then Goldberg spears Hogan. Which I loved. I loved the spear. And that the, felt good. And then, oh, sorry, folks, we're out of time. And cut black there. The yep. end. I was so angry. Yeah. I think I was just happy to be done because I was like running out of time on watching this that I wasn't as angry. Apparently, you were livid. Well, because I watched this by myself last night while you were out, and I was just vocally voicing all of my opinions for things because usually when we watch together like we both are trying to suppress our actual emotions of what's going on so they can be you know raw on the podcast (laughs) so this is nitro ah you're right so we can be thunder on the podcast shit i'm still wrong god damn it (laughs) so we can be wwe main event on the podcast (laughs) but yeah so last time i was just letting it all go and when they cut to black i was like I I rewound. I was like, did did Peacock malfunction? What what nope. the fuck just happened? You're telling me that this whole build and this big hyped up tag team match doesn't get an ending? Are you kidding? 
Ah! I was really, the way I expected this match to end, I really expected David Flair to come down and interfere because we had gotten so many vignettes with him and Mrs. Robinson. I thought that he was going to come oh, down sorry, and like, be there. Denise. Sorry, you're right. Her legal name, Denise. So I was just expecting that to be the ending because that would make sense. Like, we were building up David as doing this thing, whatever. Tie it into the episode somehow. Oh, no. see, there's your issue. You're expecting David Flair to do something? You're right. Again, what a fool I am. <laughs> exactly. Quite <laughs> foolish. I've never actually watched wrestling a day in my life. I'm just a big fraud. This match was actually pretty good until mm-hmm. it just ended. That was the problem. I was enjoying it, too. Yeah, because... Like, the, the spear, the Goldberg-Hogan spear, I lost my shit with that, too. I was like, that was beautiful. Like, certain matches, like, kind of end, and you're like, oh, I guess that was a no contest. This match didn't end. No. This match just went off the air. I think the only people that saw the ending to this match were the people that were in the stands. Weirdly enough, I've actually been watching a couple of the adjacent Raws around this time, because we're going to be doing uh, WrestleMania 15 soon. And on Peacock, they actually have, like, the dark segments as part of the Raw episodes. Oh, really? Yeah, there's a weird one where... After Rock wins the title off of Mankind, after, like, it's like a ladder match on Raw, mm-hmm. Austin comes out and stuns him, and then once Raw goes off the air, Rock's like, I'm gonna have a beer with you, and then Mankind gets on the mic and is like, I wanna have a beer too! <laughs> and then it just results in Mankind and Austin beating up the Rock. Good. Because Rock's a heel at this point, and he tries to attack Austin. Good. I like that. Did Mankind get a beer? Yes, they had a beer together. I was worried that Austin was going to stun him. And it's like, <laughs> oh, f- oh, fuck you. I drink alone. Right. I'm sad. I drink alone. Oh, no. Oh, it's relatable. That's fine. But we did not get that luxury on this Nitro. It's just, no, we're out of time. Sorry, guys. I was just so mad. I'm kind of assuming the next Nitro is going to open with, oh, here's what you missed. and There was so much faff on this episode. You couldn't cut down three minutes. You know what was not on this episode? Hmm. The stun gun. Yeah, because Scott Hall wasn't here. I think it's gone. Thank God. I think it's gone. I fucking hope so, because I swear if I see that stun gun again, I'm going to, like, punt the fucking television. It's going to be difficult, considering you have to, like, toss it up in the air That's how angry I'll be. I will summon the strength of Thor, and I will throw it up and just kick it. It's like mothers having, like, their car. Being able to lift a car off their baby. Yep, same thing. (laughs) Which, why are you parking a car on your baby? I don't understand. (laughs) I just don't get motherhood. Maybe when we're parents, we'll know. You know what it is? People don't know how to parallel park. That's the issue. <laughs> just parallel parking on their baby. I just... So that was our first... <laughs> it's not our first, but that was our first uh, in a long line of Nitros. Yeah, it's been a while since we've watched a full episode of Nitro. And we're going to continue watching full episodes of Nitro. Yeah, I think the last one was the build to sold out. Yeah. I, th- I think the last one we watched was uh, Big Show's Goodbye. Oh, God, really? Yeah, I think so. Overall thoughts on the show? And that's my thought. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a mix up and down. I It really was. I, I, I really wish there was some sort of end to the main event. Some sort of like, some sort of just kind of capper of what I was supposed to feel and think. Because right. it's just Goldberg hitting a spear and I'm like, okay, well, I feel like there's still things going on. Yeah. So I don't really feel any sort of way about this. Especially because the last two matches, both of them, ended without an ending. Like the DQ with Yeah, it didn't help with... There was no finality. It's definitely a weird one. I don't think I wanted to die at any portion of this. I only wanted to die briefly. 
during the Horace and Stage. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that was a short match. Exactly. You know, like, so that's why it was brief. I'm willing to live through those. It's, it's the, I want to die during 15 minute terrible matches. Yeah. I still hated the black and white um, filter they put on the NWO segments. I hated that. I, yeah, I think that's going to continue. Are you going to move on to best bits and MVP? Yeah, let's do it. Well, Emily, what was your best bit? So I gave my best bit to the um, the segment with Arn Anderson and Ric Flair. That whole segment after the the, um, the limo. Okay. Yeah, that was my best bit. So, I mean, that also includes the Goldberg, Hogan, and Nash bits. Correct. Okay. That whole promo segment. Like, I love that. It got a little messy for me. Otherwise, that would have been up there for me. I'm going with the Cruiserweight title match. Wow, you're actually giving it to them. I, I never give it to them. I mean, I, yes, I do. I guess you agree, too. But... Uh, MVP. So, I was kind of between two. I wanted to give it to Arn Anderson for that same promo, because I just thought that he was really... Like, this is the first time that I've taken note of him being a good promo. Arn Anderson, your MVP of Uncensored. And his I tire arm. Honestly, the tire arm was my MVP of Uncensored. But it was between him and Goldberg, because I just love that spear. Like yeah. that, that, that did something visceral to me. Goldberg still has a lot of presence. And he he gotta, really does. Like, that cannot be ignored. Like He feels like a star. Yeah, definitely does. So you're giving yours to Arn, you said? I'm between him and Goldberg, but I think I'm going to do Arn. Because I've given it to... Well, I've given it to both of them. But yeah, I give it to Arn. So Goldberg is also my runner-up. I am giving mine to Hulk Hogan. Ew, why? Because he surprised me. Why? Hulk Hogan told a very interesting story with his wrestling during the tag team match. Okay. And I got to give him credit because also, maybe it's being next to Kevin Nash makes your (laughs) offense look more interesting. But I was like, oh, you can do this kind of thing. Like, he didn't do any of the cheap back rakes, eye rakes. Like, fair. He was hitting fair offense on Goldberg where I'm like, okay, this would be a thing. And He was standing his own as a wrestler, not just as, like, a, a showman. And he, unfortunately, is starting a face turn. And I'm like, I don't like it, but it's working on the crowd. Oh, maybe I should give MVP to the crowd. They were great. This I guess we, we should crowd. note that they they weren't given a ton to work with, and they loved every second they of really it. They really did. They, they fucking cheered Jerry Flynn and Meng. I know. They were so alive and just happy to be there. I guess when you're in Cincinnati, you don't have that much to be excited about. Well, according to Scott Snyder, the Reds and the Bengals both suck, which, fair. Is that true? Fair. I don't know sports. So that was episode 19. Next one... Episode twenty. It's yeah, going to so, be the between the March twenty second, nineteen ninety nine Nitro live from Panama City, Florida. There's going to be pools. There will be pools, and because it's our twentieth episode, I guess we have to take a shot. I guess so. Well, this do something bishy. We recorded inside. It will not be recorded by the pool, much hmm. to Emily's chagrin. I'm. Oh, that's a good use of the word chagrin. So, Emily, any closing thoughts before we actually remember to plug our uh, Twitter <laughs> and Spotify and iTunes? <laughs> And not have me awkwardly <laughs> record it in, in post. Um, follow us on all of those. Yeah, um, subscribe to us on a- Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And then follow us on Twitter, at Butts in the Pod. Other than that, I don't really have a lot of thoughts. I mean, 
it was it was wrestling. We're on the road to Spring Stampede, and I know some people are coming back eventually. I don't know where they are. Fucking where Mike, the hell is Sting? Where's DDP? Jeez, you're right. Where the hell is Macho Man ever coming back? Lots of questions. Will they ever be answered? Find well, out next time. <laughs> Bret Hart's getting flied into nitros. Will they ever use him? Who's to say? Probably not. Well, for this episode, I'm Nick. I'm Emily. And thanks for listening to the Butts in the Seats podcast. Bye.